it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And what is up? Welcome in. GC Live, Wes Mitchell here. Thursday episode of the show, rolling right along, getting closer and closer to game day. Uh, Flying solo for the moment, Chris Clark on the way to Arkansas. We're going to get his final thoughts on this matchup on Friday. Uh, For now, it's just me. If y'all have any questions, uh, go ahead and throw them in. We'll do a sort of a QA and a session probably at the end of the show. Going to be joined momentarily by Andrew Hutchinson, from bestofarkansasports.com. Excited to hear what Andrew has to say and give us that. Uh, of course, we always try to do that opponent view every single week here on the show. Excited to hear what Andrew can teach us about this matchup. Uh, before we go any further, i got to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Uh, Clint, the supporting sponsor, presenting sponsor, have you want to say to this show uh, for so long now, so we certainly appreciate Clint. His NMLS number is 71597. See Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. That's how you can get Clint. And uh, we're going to go ahead and bring up our very, very special guest. Give me one moment there. Bring in Andrew here. It's Andrew Hutchinson from BestOfArkansasSports.com. Andrew, uh, we appreciate the time today, man. How you doing? Doing good, Wes. How about you? Uh, we're good, man. We're uh, getting ever closer. It seems like once you, once you get into the season, these weeks just kind of start flying by. Thursday, a couple of days before Arkansas's uh, matchup with South Carolina this weekend. Uh, Man, we appreciate you sort of coming on and giving us a little insight on this team. So I always ask our guests first, you know, if a Gamecock fan has not watched a single snap of Arkansas this season so far, what is the first thing they need to know about this opponent for South Carolina in terms of what to expect on Saturday? Well, I think it starts with the quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. You can probably say that about a lot of teams, but uh, K.J. Jefferson is, is a bona fide superstar, in my opinion. He had an incredible uh, first year as a starting quarterback last year. Uh, he had a pretty solid game against Cincinnati last week, but he's a true dual-threat quarterback, uh, but not your typical, like, flashy, I'm going to outrun you. He's going to run right through you. Uh, he's got he's drawn some comparisons to Cam Newton just because of his body type and running style. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's as good as Cam Newton. Uh, that would be foolish. Uh, but he's kind of got that same style. Uh, but he also has a really good arm. I think he's uh, improved tremendously since he's gotten on campus as a passer. Uh, and Arkansas has got a pretty good uh, array of wide receivers. No single guy like Traylon Burks last year, but several guys that that could you know ca- are capable of beating you. Uh, so that's probably the first thing I would say is is KJ Jefferson, both as a runner and a passer, uh, to uh, also complement what I think is a, a dominant run game. So that that's probably the number one thing I'd have to tell you about Arkansas. Yeah, and I think just outside looking in, man, that's got to be the first thing. Uh, you know, you throw the game on uh, from last week, and then you know, going back to last year as well, just the numbers he was able to put up as a runner and a passer. Um, it, it seems like there are weapons around him. So it's not one of these things where, at least from this perspective, it's like, 
he's not, he doesn't have to do it all, but it certainly like starts with him when you're kind of having the Arkansas offense conversation. You just talked about it a little bit, but what um what improvements have you most seen as far as just things you've heard throughout the offseason and then obviously the one game sample size? Um, what, what have you seen him work on the most, do you think, this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the number one thing he's improved, not just this offseason, but throughout his career is his accuracy. Uh, that was a major concern uh, the first couple of years when he redshirted and then also the year he backed up Felipe Franks in 2020. Uh, I, I was really concerned based on what we'd seen in practice about just the, the sheer accuracy. Uh, and Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, told media last year that his goal was for him to complete 65% of his passes. And I remember, I, I vividly remember sitting in that press conference and saying to myself, there is no way this guy's going to complete 65% of his passes. And yet all he does is go out and complete 67% of his passes last year, the second best completion percentage in school history. Uh, and I think he's just gotten better at that. I think he's gotten better uh, at his reads. Uh, he's not a guy where, well, I mean, of course, last year, uh, basically he would read his first, he'd take his first read, and then if it wasn't there, he'd just go find Traylon Burks, which, again, that's a good strategy when you got a guy like Traylon Burks who can go up and get it. You know, 50-50 balls are more like 75-25 balls with, uh, with Traylon Burks. This year, I think he does a better job of going through his progressions. Uh, I think that helps. Uh, he, he's done a really good job of keeping his eyes downfield when he does move in the pocket. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the biggest area he's grown. And, and, and really, he's, he's always been a really good leader. Uh, but I think he's been better at being a, a vocal leader this year. He, he's not vocal by nature, but you kind of have to be as a quarterback. And I think he's improved that as well, just being more of a, a vocal guy instead of just leading by example. Again, we're joined here by Andrew Hutchinson, best of ArkansasSports.com. If you want to see the Arkansas view, head on over and check out the website. Um, Andrew, uh, you know, you, you brought up, uh, you know, their receivers from last year. Um, they've brought in uh, some transfers the last couple of seasons. It's like a, an all-transfer group there, it seems like. Uh, I mean, talk about just a view of where we are in the transfer world. You've got um, two former teammates, Rattler, uh, you know, and, and Jaden going up against each other. Two guys that are receivers for Arkansas were players where where Beamer was at Georgia and Oklahoma, two different spots. So um, kind of wild. What what have you seen from um, just maybe a little bit of a new look um, group there? A wide receiver, I think, transitioning to tight end as well. Um, it, it's kind of weird how there those connections to Beamer, but how has that group looked so far? They have been. Better than expected. Uh, I had serious concerns about the wide receivers back during fall or spring ball. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you know, Jaden Hazelwood, he would, he never really flashed. Like I was like, he was here during the spring and he just, you're like, okay, when's this guy going to show us the five star talent that he has? And it never really happens. He was a little bit dinged up in the spring, uh, that, but then during fall camp, he kind of kicked it up a notch and you're like, okay, this guy's a definite starter. Uh, then of course you've got Matt Landers, uh, who began his career at Georgia way back when Shane Beamer was there as an assistant coach, uh, went to Toledo last year, put up some really good numbers over the last five games of the season. I mean, just incredible numbers, averaged like 25 yards a catch, uh, almost hundred yards a game. Uh, so he, he's a guy that, that I was a little bit like, okay, what's this guy going to be? Is he going to be a complimentary piece? A guy that maybe plays a little bit? 
but he's been a real big surprise. He got here over the summer. Uh, is a he's like six five with legitimate speed. Uh, you don't really see a combination of that size and speed very often. I think his biggest issue back in at Georgia, where he didn't play a whole lot, he played some, was just being consistent and catching the ball. I think finally, I mean, he's a six year senior, so uh, he's mm-hmm. finally kind of things are starting to click for him, and and he's starting. And then of course your other the third starting wide receiver is also a transfer, but he was here last year, Warren Thompson a guy who started his career at Florida state and actually played for Kendall Bryles there and then followed him here to Arkansas after a year. Uh, he's a guy that, that is another guy that played and put up some decent numbers last year. Uh, but he's a guy that even though he didn't really show it in the first game against Cincinnati is one that Sam Pittman has said made just tremendous strides uh, from last year to this year. Uh, so that, so all three of the starting wide receivers are, are guys that transferred in to Arkansas and then you're, you're tied in that you mentioned a former wide receiver turned to tight end as Trey Knox. Uh, he had a really good freshman year under the previous regime, Chad Morris and company. Then he had a sophomore slump in, in Sam Pittman's first season. Was looking like he was going to hardly do anything as a junior. And honestly, I started thinking maybe this guy's going to hit the transfer portal because he's a heralded guy. His coaches have all left. Justin Stepp left Arkansas to go to South Carolina. That yep. was his position coach. And then all of a sudden – he converts to tight end last year and he was still really small for a tight end last year, but he was playing the tight end spot and had some really good moments, good flashes. And now this off season, he's put on 30 pounds. He looks the part of an sec tight end now. And he goes out and has six catches for 75 yards and two touchdowns in game one against Cincinnati. So he looks like he's going to be a dude. And, and one of my bold predictions before the season was that Arkansas was going to have three different players lead the three major receiving categories, receptions, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think between those four guys, I, I wouldn't surprise me if one, like a different guy led each category, although Trey Knox led all three of them uh, this past weekend. Yeah. That, that kind of actually leads me right into my next question. You, you were talking about the various weapons they have there. Um, is there a go-to like, top receiver among this group um, at this point? Or is it kind of one of these offenses where they just feel like they can kind of spread the love and uh, maybe feel decent about all of them? I mean, my assumption was that, and this is honestly just kind of going off the recruiting rankings too, I kind of thought Hazelwood was would be like the alpha of the group. Um, but I actually remember Warren Thompson, he was pretty highly rated too. He took an official to South Carolina. Seems like it was 10 years ago, but um, – who who of this bunch is the leader, or it sounds like from your prediction, maybe just all these guys kind of can go make some plays for you. Yeah, that's the thing is everyone was wondering, is there going to be a guy that steps up and fills Traylon Burke's shoes? Because uh, that's some pretty big shoes to fill. And, and honestly, I, I really don't see one guy doing that. I know Sam Pittman back in the spring had mentioned Hazelwood as the guy they were hoping would be that guy. Uh, but I really don't see one guy, and this could change you know, in a few weeks, but as of right now, going into this South Carolina game, I really see that core group, the three starting wide receivers, and you could even throw Keetron Jackson, a, a four-star recruit that actually came straight to Arkansas from high school uh, as the fourth wide receiver in that mix, but and then throw in Trey Knox at tight end. And I really see them all kind of spreading the wealth. I, I really don't see one dominant guy uh, that could change, as I said, but yeah, I, I see them spreading the wealth, and I think that's good for KJ because it really kind of teaches him to to go through his progressions and not just okay, well, so and so's covered up. I'm going to go find 
my go-to guy, like like he did last year at Burks. Yeah, and uh, man, you, you know, you mentioned Kendall Bryles. Um, obviously, Barry Odom on the defensive side of the ball. Two guys that I think are just well-respected minds in college football. Um, how have you seen this Bryles offense maybe um, just get molded and adjusted and tweaked um, the, the last couple of years? And what can Gamecock fans expect, you know, just as far as kind of the overall feel or identity of this Arkansas offense? Well, this is an offense that really wants to beat you with the run. I know that may surprise people because everyone's got this preconceived uh, notion of, of Kendall Bryles as he's just going to throw it all over the field and everything like that. But I think it really all starts with the run game. you, you got to remember Sam Pittman is the head coach, a former offensive line coach uh, who just really wants to run the ball. I mean, look at the last drive of the Cincinnati game. Arkansas got the ball back with 549 on the clock. Cincinnati had two of its timeouts left. And they had just scored to make it a one touchdown game. Arkansas never gave the ball back. They were able to run off the last 549 without having to put the ball in the air. That that is kind of what Arkansas would like to do. They would like to just run right over you. Uh, they will play with pace. They're they're gonna they're gonna get up to the line and they're gonna snap the ball quick. They're gonna go fast, but they're gonna do it. They're they're gonna mix in passing, of course. But they really want to beat you with the run game and. They've got a guy in Rocket Sanders at running back who ran for 117 yards against Cincinnati. He's a sophomore. This is his first true full year as a running back. Like last year, he, he came to Arkansas as a four-star wide receiver, recruited by Justin Stepp. And as soon as he got to campus as an early enrollee, they were like, hey, we need you in the running back room, so we're going to move you to running back. And so last year, he was still kind of learning the position and still ran for like 500 yards, something like that. Really good season. I think he's going to take that next step and be a, a true kind of stud this year. I wasn't sure if he was going to get a big enough workload to be a 1,000-yard rusher because I do think they have really good, talented guys in A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dominique Johnson, you know, if he's healthy, he's a guy that I'm, I'm still, still kind of status up in the air for this weekend against South Carolina. If he does play, probably not going to be a ton. He was their starter at the end of last year. Uh, so that's a pretty good running back group. Uh, but then again, Rocket goes out and carries the ball 20 times against Cincinnati while the other guys don't get more than a handful of carries. I was a little bit surprised by the distribution there. If that continues, then I, I could see Rocket easily being a 1,000-yard rusher. So uh, they, they've got a lot of talent on that offense, and, and they really want to run the ball. Of course, throwing what KJ can do on the ground and uh, there's a reason Arkansas led the power five in rushing yards per game last season. I think they would like to do that again this year. Yeah. Rocket Sanders, another guy, South Carolina recruiting fans should be familiar with the uh, Arkansas beat out the Gamecocks. Um, ironically, like you said, it was Justin Stepp beating them out uh, for him. Uh, also a member of the all name team. If your name's rocket, you're probably pretty good. Um, similarly bumper pool. I mean, you have to be good with a name like that. What uh, what can you tell us about him and Arkansas's defense and what you've seen from them so far? Yeah, Bumper Pool is a, a super senior, uh, as we've kind of dubbed him here, as the guys that came back with that extra COVID year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a – I mean, assuming he doesn't get hurt, he's going to break the UA, uh, the Arkansas school record for career tackles uh, probably by midseason. Uh, he had 13 tackles against Cincinnati. Uh, he's just kind of that leader, that middle linebacker leader of of the defense. Uh, but you know they they lost Grant Morgan, who again was a super senior last year, uh, former walk on turned All American. He's gone, which was a huge piece of their defense. Uh, 
but they do have bumper pullback, which is huge. And then they also added Drew Sanders, a transfer from Alabama, former five-star recruit. Uh, he's a guy that I personally think could could even be better than bumper pool just based on his skill set. He's a guy that's actually going to rush the passer. I see him racking up a bunch of sacks. Uh, I see him doing a whole lot of different things. He's enabled this defense to be a lot more versatile. Last year, Arkansas either lined up in a 4-2-5 nickel or a 3-2-6 dime package, and they pretty much stuck with one or the other in a single game. Against Cincinnati, they went back and forth between those two packages, and they also added a 3-3-5 where Drew Sanders is that third linebacker kind of lined up as a stand-up edge rusher. Uh, He got one sack. Uh, but he was really close on a couple others. And the one sack he had was pretty impressive. If people want to go back and look at it, he beat the beat the offensive lineman and then ran right through a, a running back that tried to get in his way and got after the quarterback. So I think he's really, really good. Uh, the defense is hurting. You see here the the lead story on, on Best of Arkansas Sports is Jalen Catalan and Miles Slusher, two of the top defensive backs, are went down with injuries in that opener against Cincinnati. Uh, I would be shocked if either one of them play this weekend. Um, doesn't look good long-term either, but we haven't really heard anything. We don't even know exactly what the in- the injuries are, but Catalan missed half of last season with a shoulder injury that needed surgery. And uh, I think that might be what he maybe re-injured this time, but there's been mm-hmm. all sorts of conflicting information. Uh, Miles Slusher, it could be a concussion, could be something else. Who knows? But again, I would be shocked if he plays this weekend. That that makes him pretty thin in the secondary. Uh, so going up against an offense like uh, you know Spencer Rattler and, and what South Carolina wants to do makes me a little bit nervous because it's they got they have guys to fill in. You know, I think Jade Johnson, a sophomore that played a little bit last year, is going to fill in at nickel. You've got Latavius Brainy, the transfer from Georgia, started quite a few games on Georgia's defense last year. That was really good, uh, historically good. Uh, he, he's going to fill in at safety for Catalan. So you got guys that can fill in, but if any of those guys go down and get hurt in this game, then uh, I would be very, very concerned because they just have no depth at this point because those are their top two backups that are now thrust into starting position. So that's probably the, the biggest maybe concern uh, with Arkansas's defense right now. Yeah, so is Jaden Johnson probably a starter if one of those, if those guys can't go? Yeah, Jaden Johnson is de- is definitely going to start at nickel. He's listed as a backup safety on the depth chart, um, mm-hmm. and that's where I think they would like to play him. But he played a lot of nickel last year uh, as a backup. He even started a couple of games as a true freshman. Uh, but he he'll play the nickel, assuming Miles Slusher can't play, which I, again I would be shocked if he does. Yeah, another that's a former Gamecock uh, commitment, Jaden Johnson. Um, and I see, I think it's a trend. It's not just here; it's there as well, Andrew. Injury information is like fewer and further between than it's ever been. Um, you, you don't actually ever know. I'm sure y'all hear things and then you hear something else, as you said. So, um, yeah, injury updates, not always. Uh, our fans complain about that like all the time now, it seems like. Um, hey, I, I know I told you 20 minutes, man. Do you, do you have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, I should be good. Yep. yep. Okay, I'm good. Awesome. I wanted to make sure. Um, so, defensively, there's kind of, and we were just kind of talking about it, there's been a sense from the South Carolina side, South Carolina fan base of, hey, if South Carolina is going to win this game, attacking in the secondary, getting Rattler going, like Rattler having a big game, sort of almost has to be the path um, for Carolina. Is um, 
is is that overblown a bit, or do you or do you kind of? It sounds like you may agree that if there is a weakness on this Arkansas group, it, it may be uh, you know in the secondary. I 100% agree with that, uh, especially with these injuries. Even if even yeah. without the injuries, I would say you know they're they're a little bit susceptible to the deep ball. Uh, you know, Dwight McLeather in a transfer from LSU had a big time interception early on in the Cincinnati game. Uh, Hudson Clark is a former walk-on who made national headlines a couple of years ago when he intercepted three passes against Ole Miss and Sam Pittman gave him a scholarship because, I mean, I think he earned it. Uh, those are your starting corners and, and they're both pretty good. I mean, McLeather, I think is, is really good. And, and Hudson Clark is vastly improved from where he has been, but they both at times got beat on the deep ball. And if, Cincinnati's quarterback Ben Bryant had been more accurate on a couple of those then we could be talking about a completely different you know result last weekend um because there there were definitely some deep shots that they missed Uh, so I I think with a guy like Spencer Rattler who I think is a lot better than Ben Bryant uh that could be uh could be a challenge for Arkansas but of course I don't know what the the defensive scheme Barry Odom's going to draw up for this this type of game he's very good I will say this about Barry Odom is he he tailors his defense to whatever uh, the opposing offense is trying to do. He's not one of those coaches that's going to be stuck in. Okay, this is my defense. I'm going to run no matter what the other team mm-hmm. does. He's he he is very multiple and he very it will mix it up. Uh, so I, I'm anxious to see kind of how they go about it. We've seen them in the very limited viewing periods we've gotten uh, running that three two six. I talked about that dime defense with the six defensive back out there, um, and but again. They're so thin in that secondary running six DBs all the time could yeah. be a little bit tricky. Yeah, interesting thought, man. I uh, that that may be kind of one of those keys within the game. Um, most teams last year and then this past week, Georgia State, they sort of took an approach of we're going to sort of just even with Rattler stack the box and just shut down South Carolina's running game and then sort of put them in these second and third and long situations. And then their line kind of hasn't really been able to protect that well when they've been in those situations. It'll be interesting. Does Arkansas sort if Arkansas sort of just backs out, plays a bunch of DBs, can they stop the run kind of without bringing a guy into the box? Or, you know, does that open it up for South Carolina to then run the ball a little bit more? And, uh, you know, kind of that chess match, I think, of how much you have to devote an extra guy in the secondary versus an extra guy in the box may kind of be a little interesting chess match to watch in this contest. Um, final question, Andrew, how, how do you see this thing playing out? Uh, what are your sort of keys on, on both sides? Again, the teams the last year in one game, the teams that have shut down Carolina's running game have kind of uh, kind of had their way. Um, I'll, I'll sort of give you a leading question as well. Does Arkansas seem like a team that can shut down teams' rushing attacks? I think, you know, there were there were times last year where even in a three-man front, they were able to shut down a, a really good rushing attack. The Texas game comes to mind where mm-hmm. they really limited Bijan Robinson, who is an absolute stud. Um, can they do that this year? Uh, do, is their defensive line is – I mean, last year they had a guy named John Ridgway who transferred in from the FCS ranks and was just a, just a space eater in the middle of that defensive line. Really good against the run. Now he's with the Cowboys, got drafted. Um can they do that this week? You know, they, they brought in some more transfers. Terry Hampton from Arkansas State, really impressive in the first week. Can he do that against uh, this South Carolina uh, rushing attack? 
Um, I'm anxious to see that. They brought in some transfer defensive ends that I think are, are pretty talented, and Jordan Dominic and uh, Landon Jackson. Uh, so there, there's there's some guys I think are – it's still a lot of – there's still a lot of question marks, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, can they mm-hmm. stop that run? I'm not 100% sure. But I would say a, a big-time key is whether or not they can contain Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, Sam Pittman has talked quite a bit about how good Spencer Rattler is whenever he gets out of the pocket and is throwing on the run. And against this secondary that Arkansas showed last week kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, because of that, I think it's going to be a really close game. I think I don't know what the point spread is now. I know it opened at like nine and a half or something. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that seems pretty high to me. Uh, I wouldn't pick Arkansas to cover that. Uh, I, I see it being a one-possession game. I think Arkansas wins because I think Arkansas is the better team at the moment, plus it's in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a different story in Columbia. Uh, but I, I've got Arkansas winning, but I think it's going to be a barn burner that goes down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think it's right around eight and a half now is the line last I saw. So I don't know. I think that sounds about right. Um, I think I, I think it's a pretty tight game as well, but you probably give it's fair to give Arkansas the, the edge on paper, I, I think, at this point. So we'll see, man. Uh, and I agree a, a thousand percent. The key from a South Carolina perspective, Rattler, can he get outside the pocket and make plays versus can Arkansas sort of keep him contained? Just watching him in one game, man. That's where he, that's where he is comfortable making big plays outside the pocket. So, Andrew, man, we appreciate it. This was great information. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, for everybody out there, it's bestofarkansasports.com. You can get the complete Arkansas view on that. Um, hey, man, enjoy the game. Um, hopefully, it's a good one on both sides, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Anytime, and hope anyone making the trip over uh, has safe travels. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Again, that's Andrew Hutchinson. Best of ArkansasSports.com. Y'all go check it out. Read all about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, excellent stuff from him. Man, we are batting, we are batting a thousand on the guests. Like these guys have been fantastic. They know their teams. Not to brag on us for getting the get the guests, but to brag on their information. Again, Chris is traveling. He is on the way to Arkansas right now. It is just me. Um, I'm not going to sit here and just blab on for the next 30 minutes. So we'll probably do a very short show. We'll have our final thoughts on the game tomorrow. Chris is going to pop in. And then, um, of course, Kendall Smith, the excellent Kendall Smith, will be on with me with the before the sandstorm. I think we're going to do that on a little bit earlier, but that'll be Saturday morning at some point. Just kind of final thoughts on the matchup, uh, final thoughts on the game then. But, uh, yeah, that, that was great stuff. Um, I'll tell y'all, and if, if y'all have questions, I'll stay on, depending on how many questions we have, throw them out. If you have any, I'll stay on, I don't know, the next five or ten minutes if y'all got a bunch. But we always like to sort of give a little breakdown on what we heard, you know, thoughts on what Andrew had to say. I mean, I'll say this, y'all. It kind of is what you thought it would be. Like, I, I think our impression – going in was that KJ Jefferson again not that the whole offense for them is him because they have weapons I think that's the scary part is they put they put enough around KJ Jefferson that he does not have to do it all however if he it starts with him you know what I mean like he's he is their leading passer and rusher last season I think Rocket Sanders the excellent running back for them takes a little bit of that pressure off of him in the running game. 
But if you're going to slow them down, if you're going to hold them down, it you've got to limit KJ Jefferson. He's going to get his yardage, but you have to at least keep him under control, if that makes sense. And I, I think I always like to look at a game how many points, like from a defensive standpoint, this is purely from a South Carolina standpoint, how many, either A, how many points do you need to score? You know, sometimes you go into a game, if you were playing Tennessee, for example, you go into that game saying they're going to score their points. The offense is going to have to have a big day. Um, Other games you go into saying, hey, points are going to be at a premium but maybe you're facing a team that doesn't have a great offense. You say, hey, 24 points may do it. I look at this game. Maybe, I'll get this game. Maybe the defense surprises me because I think the defense did play very, very well on Saturday looking back. I think the defense played even better than maybe we gave them credit for looking back. Um, how many points wins? Does South Carolina have to score 31 points to win this game? They have scored 28. That's, that's the two numbers that come to mind for me. 27, 28, 31. Um, that Trey says 28. Can, can they hold them to that number? Can they win a 28 to 27, 28 to 24 type game? It's going to be somewhere in there, I think. Um, Carolina's got to start fast, y'all. They have not started fast on the road. That's got to change. They've found rhythm at times on the road, but they haven't started fast enough. So you can say that in any game, but certainly on the road, at some point it becomes a trend. They got to start a little bit faster, um, in my opinion. But yeah, somewhere around that that high 20s, low 30s is where I see the winner of this game being. Uh, Peter asking, any particular reason Van only played around 25 snaps last season? You know, Peter, I don't have an exact specific answer for you. I think for one, you know, Van appeared to be banged up and limited in preseason. He was held out of scrimmages, according to Shane Beamer. Um, and, you know, I, I think you look at Jalen Brooks. They they preach in this program competition at all times. And that's not just lip service. I think you look at, at what Jalen Brooks did. I, I know a lot of people, um, or at least some people, were kind of like, why, why is there that or between Jalen Brooks' name and Josh Van's name? and Really, the the answer on that is that Jalen Brooks went out there and earned it. And then in the game itself, Jalen Brooks uh, made big plays for South Carolina. So, uh, you know, I I mean, I can think of – there were three off the top of my head. Of course, the one that's kind of circulating around everywhere where Rattler rolled out, throws the deep ball, Jalen lays out for it. There was a a shallow cross that went for a big play. There was the other catch where Jalen, like, reached behind his head and caught the ball. So I think some of that is just riding the hot hand. There was an oar there for a reason. Very interesting. If you looked on the field for the very first play of the game, it was 13. It was Jalen Brooks that was on the field at wide receiver. And those two guys 
you know, not not that they can't play different positions. Josh Van can play multiple receiver spots, but if you look at the depth chart, the two of them are at the same spot. Um, you know, I, I believe that's the X spot, but it's definitely an outside receiver spot. So the way Brooks plays and has been playing can directly influence Josh Van's um, snaps. Let's see. Matthew says, does it change everything if CBS plays? You know, that's been a topic of conversation this week. What difference will CBS make? Uh, Christian Bill Smith, of course. You know, Matthew, I don't think it changes everything. And the reason I say that is because I thought I thought Marshawn Lloyd looked really good, really explosive, you know, against Georgia State. I think Jaheim Bell, especially as a short yardage back, gives you uh, something somewhat dynamic at that position as well. So I didn't feel like running back was a problem. Does it help? Would you rather have CBS than not have him? Of course. He's a guy who's going to fall forward, not a flashy runner, but runs really hard. Can probably get better and better as the game goes on. You know, 100, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a bunch of reasons why they recruited him. They wanted to add another veteran back. There's a reason he is here. So he does help. That said, um, I don't think it just changes everything. I, I think South Carolina just has to block better across the board. That's not just, it's not a shot at the offensive line. Um, I'm not going to trash them. It's more just across the board. O-line, tight ends, running backs and pass pro, receivers on the outside. Um, blocking has to be better. And and maybe I'm a fool. Maybe y'all look back and be like, you know, fool me once, fool me twice. But I feel like the blocking will be better this week. I know there may not be necessarily a ton of evidence of that or reasons to think that. I just have I have a gut feeling. I've got a feeling these guys have heard all week long people telling them that they suck, and I think they're going to respond this week and that it's going to look a, a good bit better offensively. And uh, maybe we're having a different conversation next week. Let's see. Um, can we afford not to spy every down? You know, that's a good question, man. I when you spy, When you spy a lot – it can get you in trouble because you are – it's a numbers game. You know, if you spy, you, that's one guy that can't be in coverage or can't be rushing the passer. I think you'd rather not have to spy. You know, you, you'd hope that you can just get some pressure up front with the four and, um, you know, that, that you can just win your battles. I think if you win your battles up front defensively, then you don't have to spy. However – there certainly will be times when I, I think that's a that's a valid approach, a valid um, sort of uh, just approach to slowing down KJ. I think this is a big game for the linebackers. Like I, uh, I think the linebackers have taken a step forward this year. Um, I, I thought obviously Mo Kaba. Those who listen to the show know Chris and I have been bragging on Mo for a while. Um, it was awesome to see that sort of confirmed and see Mo go have a great game. I think this is a nice, big first SEC test for Mo as the true middle linebacker. You know, Brad Johnson, defensive MVP, according to Shane Beamer. So he had a big game. I thought Debo Williams has shown improvement. And I actually believe 
from what I've heard, that you will see Sharai Green in the rotation. I know there was some surprise last week when he was not out there. I think you will see 44 um, get into the rotation this week. We'll see if I'm right on that. Um, Michael said, thought Amos's size would have helped against a smaller Georgia State team. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I, I think I think Rashad Amos is a guy who can help this program, help this team eventually this year. Um, we would just see how it goes. Um, let's see. Michael says, any starters out for Arkansas? Um, Michael, do you mean any starters out for Arkansas as like their team? Or do you mean any starters out for South Carolina against Arkansas? Um, the Razorbacks themselves have, um, let's see, what are the kids' names? Miles Slusher and uh, Jalen uh, Catalan. They do have injuries to both those guys. If you missed it earlier, we had Andrew Hutcherson on. He gave a, a very detailed breakdown on all that. Um, you mean for South Carolina? I'm trying to think. RJ Roderick would be sort of the guy right now that is a starter that is most likely to be out. He is considered questionable for this weekend. If he cannot go, then, of course, freshman Nick Eman Worry will go in his place. And, I mean, Nick was, for a freshman, Nick was fantastic last week. So, you know, I, I actually, we were talking about this on the radio, 107.5. Um, could be a big game for Nick Eman Worry in terms of shutting down or or if you're looking at the matchup with Trey Knox, their big tight end, who's like 6'5", 245, he may, Nick may be the guy who best matches up with him. Um, so I don't, I don't know what South Carolina's approach will be from a scheme standpoint, play calling standpoint on defense, but that may be something to um, to keep an eye on. Uh, got a Hog fan on here. Um, says, excited for this one. Both teams have a lot of potential. It depends on who shows up on Saturday. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think this is, uh, I think this is a, an interesting matchup. I know that's, uh, we, we need to ban the word interesting in, uh, on this show because I, I overuse it all the time. Um, I need to think of a better word, but it's an intriguing matchup because I think we learn quite a bit about Arkansas. I think we learn quite a bit about South Carolina this week, um, Sierra Mike says that guest is a fanboy. If the O line improves to just average, we win. Their secondary is trash. KJ Jefferson only hit three receivers last week. Take the over. You know, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's fair to Andrew to call him a fanboy. I mean, I thought he was extremely knowledgeable about Arkansas, gave us an excellent, just overall view rundown of what to expect from them. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, bash our guests when he first of all took the time and second of all provided excellent information I, I i go back to that point he made about barry odom and the fact that he is willing to be very multiple on defense and how how will they approach south carolina how will they um choose to scheme up south carolina defensively is i, I think a big key in this game I'm going to expound on that in a second. I'll take a few more questions. First, got to tell you all about our friends at Liberty Tax right here in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, servicing the Midlands area. You can overcome your tax anxiety 
803-462-5576. It, of course, is not tax time anymore, but they do offer bookkeeping and payroll services for LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps. If you owe money to the IRS, they can help you settle your debt. They have a Columbia location that is new at 551 St. Andrews Road, a Lexington office at 1123 South Lake Drive, and an Irmo at 7467 St. Andrews Road. Again, Liberty Tax, overcome your tax ID, 803-462-5576. So, yeah, I think y'all, hang with me, got to get my graphic off the screen. I think how Barry Odom, who is a very well-respected defensive coach, how he chooses to defend South Carolina. Um, Do they have that safety back to try and help what is a very porous uh, pass defense for them? And if they do, can South Carolina run the football a good bit better against those two high looks? Um, Again, that, that means, you know, every team for the most part, is going to base their defense either with a single high safety or two high safeties. And the what that really, really means in just basic, basic football number standpoint is if you have one high safety, that gives you an extra guy in the box. If you have two high safeties, that means that guy is not in the box. So if they're in the box, that's an extra hat to stop the run, an extra player who you're having to account for or block. And most teams, you look at Georgia State, they ran a lot of slants, stunts, very active defensive front, and they would put an extra guy in the box to stop the running game. Arkansas may sit there and say, one, South Carolina struggled to run the football. Two, we need help in the secondary. We're going to put two safeties deep because we're in a situation we need to stop the deep ball and the big play from Spencer Rattler. If that happens that may open up the ability for South Carolina to run the football. However, if South Carolina still is unable to run the football against two high safeties, then that means they've both taken away some options in the passing game and they've taken away your running game, which in that case, South Carolina's offense will probably get shut down. So that is something I never really, I didn't really think about it necessarily coming into this show, but after Andrew talked, and just knowing that that Odom is kind of a guy who doesn't just stick to the same defensive strategy. He likes to tweak and change his defense based on the opponent. That, to me, is a massive key within the game of this game. All right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for me. Um, let's see. Hitting y'all's questions one more time. Um, oh, here's a good one. We'll, we'll take one more. See uh, all says, should they run more scramble plays for Spencer? I feel like he's more comfortable on the move. Um, wouldn't be a bad thing to just get him outside the pocket. I agree, a hundred percent, man. As rat, as uh, not Rattler, as Marcus Satterfield said, Spencer Rattler's superpower is being outside the pocket on the perimeter and then making plays in the passing game while extending plays. You look at this game, if you're Arkansas, if you're Arkansas's defense, and Andrew told us this, if you are Arkansas's defense, the single biggest concern you have from a coaching staff standpoint is Spencer Rattler getting outside the pocket and creating big plays um, 
against you. And I, I think for South Carolina, that means that's certainly something you should look into trying to do more and trying to put yourself in a position to go do that. Um, Patrick says the play calling in the bowl game is great. Where is that offense? You know, Patrick, if you go back and look at the bowl game, the play calling itself, the plays themselves, probably not that different at all from what you saw South Carolina doing on Saturday. The difference is you're able to run the football. Watch every successful offensive game for a team. Chances are they successfully ran the football. The bowl game, South Carolina was in second and three. They're in third and two. They hit big plays down the field. The game last Saturday, they're in second and nine. They're in third and seven. Um, I believe the average depth on third downs was like third and nine for South Carolina. That is not a recipe to go win games. So it's not necessarily the play calling. And you can still, you can blame the OC. That's fine. But the play calling itself, to me, is not necessarily the issue. It is sort of the, to me, a lot of times it's been execution of the plays. But ultimately, I'm not making an excuse. Ultimately, that does fall back on the coordinator. However, to specifically say is the play calling, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, anyway, all right, like I said, I'm going to try to save a few bullets for tomorrow so that we're not just repeating ourselves over and over. Um, that's all I got for today. Appreciate y'all joining us. This was fun, uh, great, uh, great interaction. Y'all had great questions, great thoughts. Probably my favorite part about this job is interacting with the fan base and um, getting to know some of you online and in person and uh, just hearing your feedback and hearing what y'all think about the game. Um, so load up on your questions. The show tomorrow may be a good bit earlier in the morning. We're still working through that. If it is earlier and you miss us live, just remember you can always watch it on YouTube after the fact. And of course, um, I'll post it to the podcast page as well if you want to listen to it. So if you see a little thing pop up tomorrow morning that says we're live, we're going to go ahead and probably do the show early on. And uh, then, like I said, if you miss it, you can always catch it later. Uh, appreciate our sponsors, our friends at Liberty Tax, Clint Hammond. Um, shout out Gamecock Nation. Appreciate y'all. As always, um, y'all have a good night and uh, we'll talk to you very soon, okay? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.